All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. All right, girls, are we ready to kick this one out again? Why do we have to kick it out? Why can't we welcome it in with open arms? Not our style. We should introduce ourselves and say what show this is. Just, just, just She's so no, big okay. on telling people who the hell we are and where they're at. She's very bossy. I know. I know. You think she was like the big sister or something. She just always thinks she's in charge. It's the teacher in her. Oh, I bet you're right. It's the repressed teacher in me. Well, then why don't you tell everybody where they're at and who we are? Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. We're your three hostesses with the most Oh my god, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. I thought it was pretty good too. I do things for myself. My intros are stellar. <laughs> I wish you could have seen the look on Mary's face because she might have had a little mini orgasm a minute ago. I'm gonna have to go change my clothes now. <laughs> she did. It was hard to keep going watching her face. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Just that I made us a fantastic drink today, which we'll get to. All right. Okay, anyway, keep going. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Okay, I did mean to, but that was rude. Okay, excellent. Well, I'm Lynn Samuels. I'm Hannah Green. I'm Mary Swartz. Who really likes her drinks. Oh my God, this is flipping amazing. So if you are new to our podcast, <clears throat> welcome. Welcome. We are three sisters. We're going to fill your ear holes with all kinds of things that you may not have known, probably didn't need to know, but your life will be better for having learned. See, and I would partially disagree with that because I think people don't need to know about the drinks. They do. So here's, here's the thing. Why yeah. did you name it? Tell me something I didn't need to know. I think it should be tell me something I didn't know I needed to know, but I do need to know it. Because that's a little That's wordy. a lot of initials. A lot of letters for one and one. That's a lot of letters. And I'm not changing okay. it now. We're, we're a year and a half in. I'm not changing it. All right. <laughs> too much. Too much. All right. What are we drinking, Hannah? So... I was inspired today. I spring feel like you're is, frequently inspired, honestly. Spring is kind of sort of almost here. I mean, technically it's here, but, you know, the weather hasn't believed that yet. No, it sure hasn't. So I, I made us a drink that we're calling Apple Pie a la Mode. It is Oliver Wine Company, um, Apple Pie Wine which is fantastic on its own. We've talked about it before. Yes, yes it is. <clears throat> and I poured it over a couple small scoops of ice cream. It is literally like a liquid apple pie in my mouth. Literally. So, some green <clears throat> ice cream and uh, some apple pie wine. So, so good. Delicious. Yes, very, very nice. Very cool. Mm. It sounds delicious. It I am is. still in Arizona, <clears throat> so I am not tasting that. I'm just drinking my usual coffee, so. You know, yes. cardamom, cinnamon, vanilla. Yes, but sometimes you drink really unique coffee, and you have 
information about it, and that's always cool. It is, but it isn't. It's just my usual Starbucks with oh. a little cinnamon cardamom and vanilla added in. Maybe Starbucks will, you know, sponsor us because you keep advertising <laughs> for them. Maybe they'll come out with a tell me something I didn't need to know blend. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would be the best. It okay, would. Starbucks. It would. Okay. So our social that's person, you, it's your job to hit up, hit up Starbucks and ask if they want to sponsor us. Sure. We'll get right on that. Yep, cinnamon, cardamom, and vanilla. Nice. I like it. Yep. And All then right. if they could call it, tell me something I didn't need to know. And uh, it'd be awesome. Oh, wonderful. Um, So, the other podcast, Murder, Mischief, and Moscato, always does bonus episodes for the holidays. Yes. And we have a holiday coming up in two weeks, which is Memorial Day. Um, so, of course, we did a bonus episode. It was fantastic. Oh, it was so much fun. It's all about unusual collections, and it actually encompasses pretty much all around the world. It does. Not just here in the United States. It was just about some everyday people who collect some very unusual things, some very unusual people who collect some normal things, but a lot of them. It was a lot of fun to research. It was fun to research. It was fun to write. Um... Sometimes I find myself giggling, like, I, I can't wait to tell the girls this. I can't wait to see the looks on their faces. I always want to high-five myself when I find a way to word something in a really, like, really awesome, like, that sounds fantastic, that's I so know. clever. I know. Like, yeah, the story that I was going to tell today, because I thought we were doing the other podcast today, recording it, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And as I'm proofreading it, making my little tiny changes, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get them this time. Oh, I'm going to get them. Going to get them. Must be about a sex doll. It's not about a sex doll, but I am going to get them. It's a mannequin. <clears throat> nope, not a mannequin. Mm-hmm. It's all right. All right. So that's what's going on on the other podcast. <laughs> all right. So Lynn's going to bring us a story today, but first let's start with some words of the week. All right. Words of the week. I have one. You have a weird. I a, do. You have a you have a word of the week. I do. Is it a weird word? Aren't they usually? Of course it is. All right. Um. Cud bear. Cud bear. Cud bear. C U D, B E A R. Cud bear. Well, that duh. A bear that chews its cud like a cow. Mm. Or a cow. Or a bear that is made out of the cud that the cows chew like. What Gross. is in your coffee? Gross. Oh, God. What is in your coffee? What's in your coffee? Yeah, coffee. what is in your coffee? Mary, this is just my brain. It's my brain on coffee. She Children don't drink bad. coffee. You'll she be scares like, me. <clears throat> she scares me, and we're looking forward to her being here. Oh. Holy cow. Okay, cud bear. I think, I think you need a cud bear. I'm going to make you a little cud bear. I'm going to go find some cows and get some cud. And uh, make you a little bear. I'll mold it with my own hands for you. Lynn, you are one of the most selfless, giving, considerate people I have had the privilege to know in my lifetime. Thank you. I can be sarcastic without laughing. I did notice you followed that with a large drink, so. Hell yes, I, I did. I do think it's a good idea, though. We could make t-shirts with a really gross, oozy-looking, like, nasty bear looking on there and Cud Bear and then have our names on it. Tell me something I didn't need to know. Cud Bear. 
And then the real definition could be on the back. It'd Ooh, be funny. Okay. All right. You can be you can be a merchandiser. You set that right up. All right. I have, I have so many ideas for shirts for this show. All right. You start working on those. Honey, you want to try real gas? Um, I was going to go with some sort of invasive plant. Okay. Nope, a cud bear. It's not a cud bear. I shouldn't say that. Cud bear is a purple or violet powder used for dyeing. Made from lichens. Lichens? Lichens. Lichens. That's why I have Hannah. Because we know that English is not... English and I are not best friends. And Hannah helps me with that. <laughs> she's, like my trans, she's like my translator. <laughs> I like that word a lot. <laughs> An interesting little fact about lichens. Okay. So typically, vitamin D comes from animals. Okay, I didn't know that. Or from the sun. Um, however, at least D3. D3 comes from animals or the sun. <clears throat> however... They've recently discovered that they can extract vitamin D3 from lichen. Ooh. And it is vegan friendly. <clears throat> so there you go. That's a nice tidbit. Nice, nice little, little little fact. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. You got a word for the day for us, Lynn? I do. All right. The word <clears throat> is empathic. Empathic? Can you use that in a sentence, please? Could you try again? I somehow got, uh, what's her name? Alexis or whatever is on your computer, Sierra, Alexis. I'm leaving that in. <clears throat> I'm sorry, no I'm leaving it in. I don't, I don't even know how it's on or what I did, but I hit something and she popped up and I saw her and I was like, no, no, shh. She didn't listen. Sorry, my computer. She wants to help us. She wants to define it. She wants to be part of it. She's like, you yeah. girls? You girls are lunatics. You need some real professional help, and I'm the one to help you with it. All right, or she's it. jealous and wants to be a part of this amazing thing. You should ask her. Alexa, are you jealous? Alexa, that's her name. Alexa. Alexa, are you jealous? I don't have it on, on voice, so I'd have to. Or if you have it. a Mac, is it Siri? No. Uh, I have no idea because okay. I don't actually ever use it. Okay. All right, what was your word again? Impavid. I-M-P-A-V-I-D. Impavid. Impavid. It's a drunk invalid. I think I, you know, because like my, my thought process is a drunk invalid to me could be an impavid because I believe impavid means you lack the ability to tie your own shoelaces. Ooh, that's good. Both are good, especially Johanna's, because impaired and invalid, I think, is how you got that. That is exactly. Yeah, she tries to be logical about this, and I, my brain doesn't work that way. Logically? We know. Yeah. That's, I'm here for the entertainment value. That's pretty much it. Entertainment and editing. Stir your drink. Okay. All right, what does it I'm, mean? I'm going to give you a sentence first. Oh, okay. Because, you know, I love my sentence. <clears throat> The Impavid sisters kayaked the white waters of the river through the rainstorm. It so Johanna's could be correct. <laughs> Mine could be too. That is true, but I don't think it really ties in. So if you want to... Is, uh, it, ad is it adventurous? Brave? Uh, idiots? 
Lunatics. Fiercely intelligent and beautiful. No. <laughs> you can stop right there. Thank you. All right. It is fearless or undaunted, in meaning not in the Latin word pavitus, which is fearful. So not fearful. Impavid. One of us is definitely fearless and undaunted. One of us. The other two, I think, have their common sense frequently speaks up and gets in the way. Yes, because some of us would not stop our car in the middle of traffic and jump out screaming. No. That was not impavid. That was terrorized. That was horror, terrorized, scared, shitless. That was the opposite of impavid. Yes, it, could, it was an uncontrolled terror that made someone do that. We're not naming any names. No. Well, we also wouldn't climb up and get into places that someone would have to rescue us from. Like chimneys? We also wouldn't, while our husbands were with us, do things that would make them go, That's not a good idea! So that about darn near everything. However, we would. Without our husbands, yes. Do things that, after the fact, we said... We're not going to tell him about this. Shh, 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 shh. Good word. Moving on. Huh. Good word. Good, good. word. <clears throat> okay. Arctophilist. That's a graffiti. That's, that one's so easy. That's a person who graffitis arcs. Oh. If you find Noah's Ark, it will be so graffitied. It'll be tagged. Oh. See, I thought it was someone who creates the arcs with a file. Instead of they a saw a very, and nails very, and hammers, yeah, they just file it with a little emery board. Well, very slow and methodical, but oh, so smooth and perfect. No, we'd still be working on it. <laughs> Would you like me to spell this word for you? Yeah. It's a lot of letters, it looks like, sounds like. A-R-C-T-O-P-H-I-L-I-S-T. Oh, it's a professional person. Having to do with the mind. Okay. All right. Here we go. I once heard a story on a podcast about a guy, a, doc- a doctor, who performed surgeries on people's brains going through the eye with a pick. I think this is with a nail file. Brain work using a nail file. Lynn? Well, I think of like... You know uh, what Mary said, and it reminds me of lobotomist. So it ends in IST. So it's probably a person who does something. So I'm going to say it's a person who takes pictures of round objects. The arctophilist would not like Lynn's cud bear. It's probably a nature lover. If it was stuffed, it would. <laughs> they haven't met Lynn yet. <laughs> you are actually correct, Lynn. If it was stuffed, they would. Because they like the grass? Because they collect teddy bears. Ah. An arctophilist is a teddy bear collector. Oh, that's kind of cute. (laughs) Wow, we slaughtered that one. Oh, so badly. Slaughtered that one. All right, I do have one tidbit before Lynn does her story. Okay. This is really cool because this was actually sent to us by a listener. Oh, excellent. Yes. This uh, this is from a gentleman named Alan Patterson. He's in the UK. And this is his little story. Okay. I was in the library this morning and a chap came in to buy some tickets 
for a wine tasting evening. We are talking, I was talking to him about jigsaw puzzles and he told me to keep an eye out for a Gibson's jigsaw called Holiday Holdups. So the man said it was a jigsaw of him and his parents when they went to the Isle of Man in 1963 and his dad's motorbike and sidecar broke down. So it sounds like they came and took pictures or something like that. Okay. Years later, the family, this man's family, asked Gibson, who makes jigsaw puzzles, to make a jigsaw from their photo. But Gibson liked it so much that they actually had an artist design the jigsaw for them, and it does sell everywhere. The man that, that Alan was talking to lost his copy of the jigsaw and had been looking for a replacement copy for several years. Alan said, he could not believe it when I said, I had the jigsaw in our jigsaw club, and I gave it to him. And in the jigsaw, the man's name is Jeff. Uh, Jeff is seen on the left by his dad's bike while his dad stands in the doorway of Napier's cottage in a place called Laxey. It was such an amazing coincidence that we had the same exact jigsaws. That is very cool. So yeah, he had the jigsaw of this man and his family that this man was looking for. Which I How thought awesome that was that? so cool. Yes, that is from a listener in the UK. That is very cool. Yeah, I thought that was wow. so amazing. I'm so glad they shared that with us. <clears throat> I mean, it's like sometimes coincidences happen, and sometimes I think they are not. We don't have another word for them, but they're not exactly coincidences. I think Some they're meant to be. Some people call it fate. Yeah, fate. Some, yeah. I agree. I think that was awesome, Mary. That is very cool, and that's the kind of stuff we love. Yes! So if you have a short little tidbit of your own that you would like to share with us for us to pass on to our listeners, we would love to hear from you. We absolutely would. Yeah, that was amazing. Yes. How cool. And the fact that we, it's funny, he was selling tickets for a wine tasting. I know. Yeah. And we love jigsaws. <laughs> yes, we do. So that was very cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right, ladies. Any other tidbits? Or are we going to let Lynn tell a story? We're going to let Lynn yeah. tell a story. Okay. My story is kind of short, but oh. I love the story. And it, I actually learned about it when I was I read a book on this. So I read a historical fiction book and then was amazed by this and was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Okay, wonderful. All right. We love cool stuff. The words, neither snow nor rain nor heat nor gloom of night stays these couriers from their swift completion of their appointed rounds is used by the post office, but it also describes an impavid group of women who risk their lives to help bring knowledge to others in need. During the Great Depression, in Kentucky's Appalachian Mountains coal country, a 10,000 square mile area in eastern Kentucky, the Pack Horse Library Initiative was first formed in 1934. Kentucky, you see, was one of the poorest states and the depression sank its population even further into the depth of poverty. Hundreds of coal mines, which had been the only source of income for many, had shut down and thousands were out of work. In 1933, unemployment in the area was 40%. Oh my God. Wow. That's horrid. Hey Lynn. Yep. Have yes. you ever been to Kentucky? I'd like to say no. <clears throat> it's a beautiful if state. If I knock, I apologize for lying about it. I just don't remember. 
if I've ever been there, like, it's, as a child, maybe, you mean? Mary and I went two years ago. We've been through it. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful state. It, there's so much history there that we yeah. found absolutely amazing because Kentucky has a lot to do with the beginning of our country. They were really, um, like, they were really one of the first states in our country. There's a lot of history there. But driving through it, there is a lot of poverty there, too. Yeah. And it is very obvious. Yeah, we've seen both sides of it when we were there. Yeah. The very, very, very poor, rundown areas. And <clears throat> then we've also explored the history and seen some of the unbelievably amazing things that the state has to offer. So Kentucky has so much to offer. And they have some fan-freaking-tastic wineries. I actually, the <laughs> other day, sorry for the rabbit hole here. I was talking to a customer, okay. and she was looking for black currants, which we sell currants at work, but they're not black currants. Okay. And as you and I know, you can't grow black currants in Michigan without a special license. Right. And she was asking me if I know of anybody that that actually grows black currants. And I said, well, now that you mention it, I do know this guy who owns a winery in a berry place. <laughs> Let me give you his information. That would be kind of cool if he could ship to her. And then I said, and you can tell him that the sisters with the podcast gave uh, you... Tommy. Tommy McIntyre. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry. 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 Rabbit holes. Okay. That's all right. That's all right. Um, so, yeah. So, unemployment was 40%. It was a horrific time filled with desperation, starvation, and death. It would be, the yeah. Poor. The poor rocky soul made growing crops nearly impossible. Lack of sanitation, electricity, and water as well, as starvation and disease were widespread. Yeah, you can't afford to, to eat good food, you can't grow good food, and you don't have money for, for medical. Right. Yeah, they're not growing any food at all. I think during the time I read about people like boiling shoes and stuff and trying to eat leather, because they were so desperate during during the uh, Great Depression. I mean, it wasn't just Kentucky, but Kentucky, it seems like, might have been one of the worst hit. My heart hurts for them, and I don't even know them. Yeah, the pictures were just like the houses. If you could even call them a house, when I saw the pictures, they were basically wood <laughs> that was put together to form a building. Yeah, we saw That's, some of it, those. Yeah, we did. It, we did. Yeah. We saw some structures nothing, like that. Yeah, nothing that we would think, oh, someone might live there. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. God, no. Yeah. So, yeah. but the depression was pretty bad all around. So, but during it, FDR created the New Deal, which I think we most, most people had heard of. And part of it was something called Works Progress Administration, or WPA. The WPA's goal was to put men back to work building roads and bridges but the jobs often required them to leave their families. As the depression continued, women were left to take care of and provide for their children on their own when husbands left to go find work, left for a job with the WPA, died, or left just because they couldn't look at their starving family anymore. Women at that time, remember, could only do female jobs things that included cooking, cleaning, sewing, or working in schools, which there were definitely not in those kind of jobs. And you know, so I have to wonder, 
Back in those days. Mm -hmm. Back during that time. What happened to women whose husbands abandoned them or whose husbands died? What did they do for income? They did whatever they could. And sometimes that was nothing. Sometimes they died. Sometimes they just slowly faded away. I've, I've read books about it where they just talk about it. And it just, a lot of people died of starvation during that time. Wow, that is they, it's heartbreaking. They didn't, have, they didn't have social services back. Then. Right, right. You know? Wow. So, yeah, so if neighbors could help, maybe they did, but I'm sure a lot, they, you know, when everybody around you is just as poor as you are. Yeah. You know? So, along came the Pack Horse Librarian Project. Eleanor Roosevelt was a huge champion of this initiative, which would employ women to run the libraries, maintain the books, and deliver them to families in remote areas. The idea behind it was that it would help people of Eastern Kentucky to become more educated and be able to find jobs again and employ women who needed the money to feed their families. In 1930, about 31% of the population in Kentucky could not read. Oh my God. That's a third of the population could not read. I can't even imagine, honestly. cannot even imagine. And 63% of the population didn't even have access to a public library of any sort. Over half the people couldn't get a book even if they could read. Wow. Being Coming from a family of readers, that is so hard yeah. to imagine. Yep. So hard to yep. imagine because my childhood revolved around reading. I can remember going to the library and getting as many books as I could carry. Oh, yeah, because mom would say, like, you can have two books, and you know that you're going to be done with them by the end of the day yeah. or by the next day. It's not going to hold you over for a week. Yeah. yeah. They didn't They didn't have access to it. If you think about how remote they were right. and where they lived, they're just, there was no libraries in the area. There were no schools in the area. The schools that were there didn't even have supplies. It was a building. Wow, yeah. So. Yeah, we traveled through some very remote areas of Kentucky, and, yep. and it, yeah. Wow, okay. 17 years before this, in 1913, May Stafford had tried to start a program to, del to deliver books to the people in remote areas, but it only lasted a year. In the early 1920s, it was tried again, this time with horse-drawn wagons, but it also failed to succeed. Third time would prove to be the charm. Did they say why the first and second time didn't work? Did they just, it was not like good planning or? It, it probably, it would be very, very hard to do this without, yeah, one person couldn't do this. It would take an effort to do this and some funding, you know, right. and some ideas. So it probably okay. just, you know, one person had the idea, but she just didn't have the manpower or what it took. So. Okay. But the federal government, I mean, when they step in, yeah, they can make things happen that we can't. We can't, but they really, this This is interesting because they really didn't. It just happened to be that this, it took off. And, okay. and I'll explain it because, uh, good. Yes. Yeah, so. All right. Lena Nosifer was the chairwoman of the Library Services for Kentucky at this time, and she was very instrumental in the success of it. She would work tirelessly traveling back and forth across the state to raise funds and request donations of books and magazines from the more affluent people of the state. The idea was that locals would house the county library in any building that could work, like churches, post office, government yeah. buildings, an old schoolhouse, anywhere they could put the books. 
The books and magazines had to be donated as the only thing paid for by the WPA, the government, was the salary of the librarians and the writers. So that was it. They just paid their salary, which was $28 a month. Wow. That would be $593 today. So imagine a little under $600 a month, which during the Depression was better than zero. That is very, very true. And again, a lot of these women, this job allowed them to support their family and not starve. So female librarians would oversee the libraries, maintain the books, and give out the books to the writers, also mostly women, to take on their route. These book writers took their job seriously, and they would ride year-round, and you've been there, through rugged, dangerous terrain and extreme inclement weather. Yeah. The families they helped were the poorest of the poor. Most had no running water, no electricity, and no real education or access to books. Roads, when there even was one, were sometimes impassable. Often the road was actually a creek bed they would follow, and flooding could be very dangerous. Some of the routes required the carriers go through deep creeks or rivers with no bridges that must be crossed to get to their families. Other routes were not accessible by horse or mule, so the book riders would have to walk. Riders used their own horses and mules, or lease them from neighbors, which they paid out of pocket. One county had to share a horse between a couple of riders. An average weekly route was 100 to 120 miles long, and they would cover 18 to 20 miles of their route each day. And they tried to do a complete route twice a month, so every family would see and get books twice a month. They would often begin before sunrise, going to the library to load up with the books they needed for the day, for the day's route. They would bring books they thought the people might like, as well as ones that they could get that had been requested. At first, some families were leery of the riders, suspicious of outsiders and resistant to the idea. Remember, these these people are people who may never have seen a government person, didn't understand a woman showing up at their door with books and talking <clears throat> to them about reading. Right. So many of the carriers would bring Bibles because most everybody knew of the Bible, even if it was only orally. And they would read aloud outside their houses to gain trust of these people. And they didn't just bring books or magazines. They also brought comfort and contact to many of the people. Writers would pass along messages and news from others as well as books and magazines. They got to know all the families on their routes and they would even take the time to read aloud to the families that were illiterate and had no one to read to them. The librarians worked hard to preserve the books they had, mending them over and over and over so they could still be read. When they noticed the corner of the books were being bent to mark pages and eventually ripping, They made and gave out bookmarks from recycled Christmas cards. These bookmarks were special and coveted treats for many of the people they served. When books became too worn to be repaired, they would pull all the pages out and repurpose them into new books by pasting them onto pages and binders, sometimes combining different ones to create a scrapbook. There were 11 types of these scrapbook binders that they had. Among the types of binders were picture binders, postcard binders, mountain ballads, local history, sketches of famous people, and several others. 
The most popular binders requested were recipes and quilting pattern. In 1940, there were 2,582 of these scrapbook binders that they had made being loaned out. The demand for books was so great, the Kentucky Parent Teacher Association held a penny fund drive and asked every member to donate one penny to buy books. They raised $101.70 and wow. were able to purchase a One penny at a time. Wow. Yeah. Holy crap. And remember, this was during the Depression, so mm-hmm. a penny was, it was a like, huge. you know. huge. Oh my yeah. God, yeah, when you're boiling shoes for food, a penny's but huge. But remember that this woman, the woman in charge, was going across the whole state, and she knew who, who kind of the people with some money were because even during that time, even though there were people doing that, there were people who had plenty of money. Oh, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, so she would hit them up, and they were able to purchase 131 new books. Because many adults could not read, remember that high uh, illiteracy rate, um, illustrated books were very popular so that they could look at the picture and kind of hopefully get an idea of what the book was about. Robinson Crusoe, Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, and Gulliver's Travels were favorites with the children. <laughs> yep. Men often requested magazines like Popular Mechanics and women's like Ladies Home Journal, which I didn't even realize were in print back then, but that's pretty cool. The Popular no Mechanics doesn't surprise me that it was around back then, but the Ladies Home Journal does a little bit. I think they would look very different, though. I oh, I'm, I'm sure, sure they, they do. do. I'm sure they yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Dan used to get Popular Mechanics, and mm-hmm. he actually stopped because they had changed it so much that it wasn't even worth his time, in his opinion. Right. And he got it, oh my goodness, for years and years uh, and years. The entire time years. we were growing up, yeah. for sure. Yes, yes. Um, so during that time, interestingly enough, thriller and detective magazines were not allowed to be de- delivered. So... Um, and thinking back then that, that, you know, they thought that kind of stuff was salacious or indecent, scandalous, you know. It right. seems like it was, unless you were a child, most of the other stuff they talked about were kind of nonfiction books. So maybe children were allowed to read cute fiction books, but then the adults were, like, expected to read, you know. Stuff that's real. Stuff that's real. And plus, <clears throat> yep. during that time they needed stuff you know you needed quilting patterns or recipes more than you needed you know to read a a fiction book right so people from other states heard about the program and began sending books in magazines a man who moved from kentucky to california years before actually sent 500 books in memory of his mother wow that is so cool yeah that is just awesome it is it is and it started remember with one county then another county heard about it and they wanted to start the library program and the rider initiative too they asked the wpa for funds and then hired the riders within a year the state was servicing over fifty thousand families that's so cool soon it was spreading like wildfire in two years six other counties had the program and they were also servicing 155 public schools it's kind Many of like of a it's kind of like an early bookmobile. Yes. 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 <clears throat> Very good. Yeah. Many of the mountain schools had no libraries and few supplies. They had no money for them. So if they could get somebody to come teach the children, great. They at least had that. The children, many of whom had never checked out a book in their lives, adored the program. 
A quote from one of the librarians that I read was, bring me a book to read is the cry of every child as he runs to meet the librarian with whom he has become acquainted. <clears throat> Not a certain book, but any kind of book. The child has read none of them. The program ended in 1943 when Franklin Roosevelt ordered an end to WPA. Um, the World War had, had started and employment was back up, so they felt they didn't need WPA, and so it ended. And within three years, motorized bookmobiles had begun delivering books in Kentucky. So it was, it was the start of the bookmobile. That That's is awesome. so cool. Yeah. My kids loved the bookmobile. Yeah. Yes, yes. Now imagine a kid who's never had a book, how excited that would have been. So, oh my goodness, yeah. Like, yeah. In its short life, the program had reached over one and a half million Kentuckians in 48 counties. Wow. It had employed over a thousand women who did not have any other income allowing them to support themselves and their families. And it raised the level of interest in reading and education in remote population of area. They don't have any exact facts on how much, you know, they didn't do any testing on it or anything right. by end of the year test. But they do know that there were a lot of, 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 of people who read and were more interested in education because of it. There were also far-reaching effects. In 1956, the Kentucky Congressman Carl D. Perkins, who had actually benefited from the Pack Horse Library Program as a teacher in one of the mountain schools, he sponsored the Library Services Act, which provided the first federal appropriations for library services. So then the federal government would pay for public libraries as opposed to them just being all volunteer and donations. Right. Beyond, oh. Carl, beyond Carl, who knows how many others, whether it's a recipient or the child or a great grandchild of a recipient that went on to do great things because of this program that without it, maybe would never have learned to read. So I think it was an unknown and all these women, I just, the book was um, the story of one woman. And while she was fictional, it just was so, like during that time riding through the rugged mountains and stuff, a woman alone. Right. You know, encountering angry men, angry people, animals, thunderstorms, floods. These women were just, they were amazing, so. That's very really cool. That was a very cool story. It is. I like it. Thank you. Mary and I actually have a friend who is a published author who does live in Kentucky. Yes. So oh, very cool. Yes. Yes. And she is amazing. And I know that she has listened to the podcast off and on, so... If she happens to hear this episode, hello, Tanya, we miss you and we love you. I, I think it's really cool to provide children with books because while we grew up readers, I know from being a teacher that there were children who had no books in their house. And at one point, our governor, we had an amazing governor, uh, Janet Napolitano, uh, who who sent out a free book every year to every family of, I believe, third grade students. So every child in third grade in Arizona would be that they knew of would be mailed a free book every year. So they at least had one book. Right. That's very cool. 
I thought it was awesome. Isabel recently went to a baby shower where the parents actually requested instead of cards um, that you bring them your favorite baby book, your f favorite children's book. Oh, I love that yeah. so much. Yeah. That's awesome. So. <clears throat> wow, that was awesome. I really like that story. Another little near and dear to our heart kind of story. Yes. Yep, absolutely. Very cool. Well, thanks to all who stopped by, lent us their ears, spent a little bit of their day with us. Hell yes. We hope that you enjoyed Lynn's story today. I love stuff like that. That was a really good story. Thank you. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. You can find us at tmsidntk at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and on Instagram. We love to hear from you. We do use the things that you send us. So if you have a headline you'd like us to cover, a story you've heard of, a story of your own, like the listener that shared a little tidbit with us. Thank you, Alan. Then, you know, send it on over. If you just want to talk to us about something, if you have a correction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we are human. We get it wrong. We do make mistakes, um, but we do answer our messages. So please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, you can feel free to follow our podcast. Leave us a rating and a review. Cost you absolutely nothing but 60 seconds of your time. Let's us know how we're doing, and it helps other people find us. Yeah, I mean, if you like us and you want to share us, then yeah, that's a really super good way to help other people find us. And we are on pretty much every streaming platform that we're aware of. If you know of one that we're not on, please let us know, and we will work to get ourselves added. Any final thoughts, ladies? I have a final thought. Sweet! Awesome. All right. So my final thought is, the Dalai Lama said, just as ripples spread out, when a single pebble is dropped into the water, the actions of individuals can have far-reaching effects. You may never see the result of a good action, but it could lead to other positive actions and keep going. And the end could result in a huge wave of goodness. I love that. That is so appropriate for this time of our lives right now. It also fits in really well with Lynn's story. Yes, it does. You're right. <laughs> Have a wonderful day, everyone. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.